0: Welcome to another episode of Web Dev Weekly, the weekly podcast about web development. I'm Richard Gottlieber. And I'm Brad Garropy. And this week, we're going to be talking about one
1: of the most daunting things in tech, the interview process. We're going to be talking about what you should be doing before, during, and after the interviews.
0: Interviews make me nervous. Uh, What about you, Richard? I love them. They're like my favorite thing in the world, said no one ever. No, they definitely are an interesting part of working in tech, in my opinion. We can talk maybe after we talk about the you know how to interview. Perhaps we can talk about what we think about interviews. So I'll hold off my my comments for the end.
1: They're exciting. I mean, th- there's nothing cooler than exploring new opportunities, meeting new people, talking to new companies. But but with it comes a lot of preparation and a lot of process around it and it. And a lot of this depends on who you're interviewing for, the size of the company, what type of position. So I guess we can kind of just talk about the flow chart of like an interview, because typically the first person you're talking to is not
0: an interviewer. That's right. A lot of interviews start with just a recruiter doing a basic like screening call where they get a little bit of information about you, your background, what you've done so far, Sometimes there's a little bit of technical discussion in there. And I think a lot of times what they're doing is they're looking for keywords, like different frameworks you've used, different languages, stuff like that, just to kind of get a sense of, are you a reasonable fit for this position before they send you off to like the actual first real screening? And then sometimes before you even talk to the HR person, you can be talking to a recruiter, like a headhunter type person. I don't know, Brad, if you have any experience with that.
1: I get a lot of emails and LinkedIn messages from headhunters, but they're typically very vague. So that's not leads I usually pursue.
0: Yeah. So I've worked with a couple of recruiters and honestly, it just feels like another step along the way. And the reason they're so vague is because they don't want you to go directly to the company. Which is exactly my preference.
1: Like, I would like to speak directly to a recruiter at the company that I'm looking to join. I'm not at that level of fame yet where companies just reach out to me direct and be like, Brad, we want you to do something for us. But after this episode,
0: you probably won't be either. <laughs> after the HR screen comes the actual like beginning of the interview. And this can vary a lot from company to company. Now, personally, most of the places I've worked have been large corporations. I've worked at one smaller place and the interview process there Fairly closely mirrored my experience at larger companies, but it was a little more casual and informal, which personally I thought made it a better interview process. So I think this comes from the fact that large companies are looking to kind of get a cog to put into the machine. They don't know the exact spot always that you're going to be filling, and they don't know exactly what you're going to be working on. Whereas a smaller company, they well know because. They're a smaller team and they know exactly what need they have that needs to be filled. And my experience mirrors yours. With the smaller companies,
1: you've got like a really specific job description and the interview tends to be just as specific. They, if they're looking for a front-end React developer, you're going to walk in and they might want you to live code something or show a React app that you've built. Whereas at a larger company, they typically run you through this much longer, more arduous series of interviews meaning like you might have multiple
0: interviewers lined up back to back to back right and going back to the flow so normally you have like the hr screen then you have your actual like technical interviews where you start actually talking to different engineers at the company for each of these steps it's basically if it goes well you move on to the next round After the actual interviews, a lot of times you'll meet with a manager who will either be like your direct manager or somewhere in the chain of management for the position that you're applying for. If that goes well, they'll let you know they want to hire you. And then it comes to negotiation. What are your thoughts on negotiation when it comes to accepting an offer? If it's your first
1: offer, I I was the type that, you know, took anything. It didn't matter. I was trying to get my foot in the door. However, at at this point in my career, I'm not afraid to negotiate. Uh, I'm not afraid to come in with a with a baseline expectation of salary and benefits that I've been used to. And ideally, you're trying to beat that you're trying to raise your base salary anywhere you're going, or you're changing jobs to change your happiness level. So compensation is something that's very relative. But typically, I'm I'm very open and honest about my expectations and negotiations because at the end of the day they already know they want you you just have to agree on you know certain terms and so they're not going to say no because you pitched a number that they didn't like
0: yeah and that's something to remember too is that in our field of work you're definitely an in-demand commodity if you know how to do software development it may not always feel like that because companies always want the best fit they can get for a position. And so it may not feel like there is, you know, a slight lack of talent available to them when they're putting you through the interview process and the way that they go about the interview process. But it is something to kind of keep in mind that when it comes to negotiations, there's a completely different skill set from interviewing is knowing how to negotiate and it's something that like personally I struggle with. But you have to work on it. And I think that part of the difficulty with negotiation is it's not a skill, personally at least, that I practice very often. And I think that kind of will go into preparation for interviews, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But the interview process in this, like in software development engineering, is something that you have to practice because it's not always just. Are you good at your job? Okay, cool. Show us and tell us about how you're good at your job. It's a separate set of skills.
1: Yeah, it's a set of communication skills and presentation skills that you may not use in your daily job. I actually have a calendar reminder twice a year to update my resume. And once a year, I have this promise to myself that I will take at least one interview. It's gonna keep the interview skills sharp and it's gonna kinda keep you tuned into what's going on in the industry and other companies
0: that is a really good idea. I may have to steal that from you. Hot tip. Yeah, hot tip. I know there are some people who also, you know, kind of follow the mantra of like always be interviewing just so you always keep that skill set fresh and so that you do kind of keep your finger on the pulse of our industry and what is currently in demand, salary information, stuff like that. I I don't do that personally because Interviews are a lot of work. It's hard, in my opinion. It's so a it comes- lot of mental overhead that
1: you may not want to subject yourself to. But yeah, I like if anything interesting comes up, I'll always throw my hat in the ring. But I will force myself to do it at least once a year.
0: Yeah, that's a really good tip. So when it comes to preparing for interviews, I think there's, like in my mind, there's kind of two tracks, right? There's the... Established in the industry track and there's the just starting out track. There is some overlap, but I think that like the main difference is when you're just starting out, things like a portfolio become really important. Not that they're not great to have and important as you have an established career, but as you're starting out, like that's kind of your proof of ability, right? Because you don't have this track record of being employed at companies for, you know, like... Five, 10 years shows that you are a capable employee, that you're capable of holding down a job, being reliable, all these things. The kind of like having those years on your resume basically just shows that you're like a vetted employee, if you will, and that you are you're employable. When it comes to portfolios, did you use a portfolio for your current position? Or what is your what's your take on portfolios, Brad?
1: Yeah. So the last interview process I went through, I transitioned from more of like a DevOps engineer to a front end web developer. So I had to prove that I had the chops necessary to make websites, to write JavaScript, to style with CSS. And my previous job experience didn't entail any of that. So I had to you know, build a portfolio, build a blog, do some example projects. And that was totally, invaluable to the interview process because that's a lot of what we spent our time talking about was my portfolio and it was just
0: exactly the ammo i needed to get in the door and that's a good point too if you want to kind of transition into a certain field or a certain you know stack that you're interested in and you don't have that relevant experience professionally build those side projects so that then you can speak about What you have worked on as an example, because a lot of times in the interview process, they're going to ask, you you know, tell me about a time when you blah. And if you don't have an example of that, that you can share. Well, that's going to be a short interview.
1: Yeah. And along with the portfolio, another thing I would look at is GitHub. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you are first entering the field or transitioning jobs in the field. That is What what, what does Wes and Scott call it? They say the proof is in the pudding. Like that is exactly what you're going to be hired to do. So if I can look at your code, look at the quality of your work directly, me as an interviewer, that's the best indicator that I have as to your skills.
0: And I think too, this isn't to say that like these are requirements and that you have to have these things. I just think these are, are little bits of shine on your application if you will right like little things that make you stand out just a little bit more give you just that little bit of an edge compared to another applicant so if you don't have a portfolio and your github is pretty quiet it doesn't mean that you're not going to get a job i'll be honest until recently my github was a ghost town it was all private projects and nobody could see anything and it's still like i don't know I don't know that I would put my GitHub on my resume currently because it's nothing that actively I'm working on super hard. And I know that's like, that's one area where you and I differ, you know, your GitHub is awesome. You have these open source projects on there. You're always pushing stuff out there. It's fantastic. And so if you and I were applying for a job, this would be a great example of like where somebody could look at that and go, Oh, well this guy's clearly doing all this stuff that we can see. This guy's kind of a question mark doesn't mean that I wouldn't get an interview, but it definitely makes it easier to make the decision that, you know, Brad's GitHub looks a lot better. That's definitely a leg up. Yeah. It gives the impression,
1: like a certain impression. And I think that that's key because in an interview, you have a very short amount of time to leave an impression. And so anything you can do to kind of put, put a coat of
0: wax on you will help. And the same thing goes for like, you know, your LinkedIn, your resume, all these different pieces of information that come along when it comes to resumes i'm curious do you think it's better to have a resume that stands out as far as formatting and stuff goes or a resume that's very vanilla and looks just like all the other resumes so that the information on there stands out so what i'm asking really is do you think that resume design is important or content is more important
1: I think at the end of the day, resume design almost doesn't matter. Most of these resumes are getting fed through bots that look for keywords and filter. I'll produce like a PDF version, a doc version. And I even have my resume listed on my website uh, in a markdown file and it's rendered to a page. So I have lots of ways to share it. But in the end, there is no special styling, just some hyperlinks on there to the projects and, and LinkedIn and GitHub and stuff like that.
0: What's your take on that? Personally, I like just clean, readable, boring resumes. When I'm looking at people's resumes, so I do a decent amount of interviewing in my current position too. When I'm looking at resumes, I appreciate the same thing. Like if all resumes had a standard format and there was just like, you know, IT work resume dot doc, and you just filled it in, that would be amazing because then you can scan it. And if you know what you're looking for, it makes life easy. You know, and then we're not relying on like, oh, this person's, you know, their design chops are amazing. And oh, the font they used is just chef's kiss. And look at the line spacing. Oh, you know, it's, it, I guess that stuff could be important if you're, you know, going for more of a designy front end where you're actually doing the design work. Then, yes, obviously, like having a very aesthetically pleasing resume is important. But I need to look it up. There's a resume um, template that we'll put in the, show notes. That's like the pragmatic software engineer resume or something similar to that, where it is a very just clean and simple, basic resume. And it works great. And I
1: think your portfolio is where you get to shine and be creative and show off what you can do. So the last piece of preparation for your interview is probably the most daunting and you're thinking it already in your head, and it's data structures and algorithms. This seems to be the infamous question that all the companies like to ask to reverse a linked list or search a binary tree or something like that. And uh, it's, it's a slog. But it's something that you're going to have to go through review and prepare for the interview process. And uh, I think we got you know, there's a couple good resources online that you can use to practice these questions.
0: Yeah, and even offline. So I'm going to start offline first. Manning Press has a book called Grokking Algorithms. And it is fantastic. If you haven't ever done this type of stuff before, it is extremely approachable. The way that the information and data is presented. Like I would say, if you have any interest at all in understanding algorithms, like, If you have no desire to ever do an interview that requires you to create an algorithm or deal with data structures, this book is still just a fantastic and very easy book to read. It has pictures. Like, it is great. And like from a place to start, like personally, I think it's the best place to start. Anytime where I'm getting back into the interviewing world, I would just breeze through it because it brings everything back fresh in my mind.
1: Yeah, two more that I like are the online coding platforms that typically you'll get asked to use in the interview. There's one called LeetCode and one called HackerRank. We'll include these in the show notes as well. It's just like a, a code editor online where you solve problems and then you run tests against your solution to see if it passes or not.
0: Yep. And then the final thing, if you want even more preparation, There's a site called Interview Cake. It's expensive. It's $200 for a year membership. They do a fantastic job of taking common questions from like, you know, the big companies, the FANG or whatever the new acronym is these days, and breaking them down. And what I really like about it is that they don't jump straight to the optimized solution. They walk you through like the brute force version, the naive approach, and then they optimize as they go. And so it's a very clear like strategy to work through, like from, you know, here's the brute force way that I would do something to like here's the most optimal way to do it. And the explanations along the way definitely help teach you how to get there. So if you want like the, I don't know, best education available just online, I think the interview cake is probably one of the best from what I've seen. I've personally used it and it definitely helped me get the job I have now. So it is a super useful resource. It is expensive, but if you're getting a new job in the scheme of things, $200 is probably not a lot once you end up with that job.
1: Here's another hot tip. If you're going to interview for a company, go to their GitHub repo and search for like interview questions. Sometimes they put them there open source and you can work on them beforehand Uh, i've I've actually had this happen to me a couple times where i i reviewed the repo of interview questions and got asked one in the interview and i felt so prepared and so calm that like i was able to walk through the solution just like they'd want
0: did you disclose that you had seen the test beforehand
1: absolutely not absolutely not but (laughs) but i'm just saying
0: you know You're looking for
1: an edge up. You're looking for that advantage. This is how you do it. And it's not cheating if they put it
0: on as open source. Yeah, no, it's that's one of those things, too, where if you're taking the time to do that and everything and you can explain it because just knowing the question and the answer, that's not the whole story. Right. So let's talk about the actual interviews when it comes to interviewing. I think the biggest thing you can do is take all the thoughts inside your head and just start word vomiting them because that lets the interviewer know what is going on. There have been so many times where I've been in an interview and I'll pass on a candidate who gets the question correct because they go up to you know, the whiteboard or whatever, they're in CoderPad and they will sit there and say nothing. And you can tell, like, they've gone into the tank, like, they're, they're deep down inside, like, trying to suss out what they need to do it's nothing. And you'll ask them a question and you get like no answers. And while the purpose is to come up with the answer, a lot of interviewing is sharing your thoughts, explaining what you're thinking and how you're thinking. This is also very useful to you as the interviewee to share what you're thinking as you're thinking it. Because a good interviewer will give you little nudges along the way to make sure you're going the path that they want you to go. So that's something that you definitely need to practice and make sure you're doing the interview. It's really awkward. And maybe in the world of working from home constantly, it's easy to practice this day-to-day because you can just talk as you type along and nobody's going to mind. But, you know, talking as you're coding Explaining what you're thinking as you're doing it is not something that comes naturally. And the reason why
1: interviewers want to see that is because on a daily basis, you're going to be solving problems together with other teammates. Nobody's going to know the answer. And collectively, you have to be able to explain what you're thinking, the direction you're trying to head, and how you're approaching the solution. And the more clearly you can do that amongst teammates, you, y'all you will be able to formulate like a proper solution, the best solution together. And a way that I've practiced this or just happens to come to me is through streaming, or through making tutorials. The the more tutorials I make, the more blog posts I write and the more that I stream specifically, it gives me the ability to code and talk about what I'm doing at the same time in a very low pressure environment where the chat is like a supportive interviewer instead of a judgmental interviewer.
0: And that's probably a good way to think about like what to look for if you're unsure how to practice this or what you should be doing. Go find someone who has a popular coding stream and watch them. They don't just sit there silently tapping away on their keyboard. They're talking about what they're thinking, what they're doing. They're speaking out loud like the entire time they're coding. That's what makes it interesting. So it's not that you're putting on a show in the sense of like you want to be interesting when you're interviewing but you are putting on a show because you want them to know how you think, how you solve problems. What happens when you run into something and you're stuck? What are your thought processes, right? Like you never want to be in an interview and just hit the brick wall and stop. That is often a sign that like, yeah, this interview is not going well and you're probably going to get a pass if you stop. Now it's not that if you hit a brick wall, you're done, right? As soon as you hit that brick wall, You need to be talking through like different things that you're thinking about, different ways that you're thinking about approaching, solving the problem that you suddenly can't get past. And my opinion, a good interviewer will see that happening. They'll help you over that wall. They'll help you through that wall so that you can continue on because they don't want you to just to get stuck on one little thing and then be done. Because we all know that like interview situations are not like a full representation of real life coding, right? Like you have Stack Overflow, you have Google, you have your coworkers. These are all people who can help you if you get stuck and so they want to see what happens when you get stuck how you approach it and then can you move on with a little bit of help
1: yeah i think one of my biggest challenges in coding interviews is not having like a fully functional editor in most cases it's essentially a notepad that has no executable code or no formatting or no autocomplete like it, it just makes to me it puts up a lot of little barriers on the way To thinking about the solution. Instead, I have to be like, oh, yeah, I got to put a semicolon there. Like, oh, I got to format this real quick. And it's to me, it's distracting on the way to thinking about the proper solution. Agreed.
0: So we've kind of talked through preparation. We've talked through going through, you know, getting your portfolio, your GitHub, sprucing up your resume, prepping for those algs and data structures. And then you have the interview, it's super stressful. You get through it. You feel like it went great. What do you do after an interview, Brad?
1: The very first thing I do after an interview actually is like furiously take notes on everything I can remember. I try to write down the questions they ask me. Uh, I also let them know like I'm gonna be typing the answers to the questions that I'm asking and the answers that you're giving me back just for reference. But yeah, after the interview, I try to take notes on as much as possible, all the solutions we talked about, all the things about company culture we talked about, just so I have like a really good brain dump of what actually went on. And then I even go further and polish those up and put them on my own GitHub. So, you know, I it's like this company's interview questions and I would like write them down and I tweet it out and I share it because I think like. I work through the answers, I solidify my understanding, I understand where like, I may not have performed very well. And that, that activity, that exercise, is just better preparing me for the next round or the next company, and also helping others. Yeah,
0: that's not a bad idea. The only thing I will say is, if you sign an NDA, don't do that. But other than that. <laughs> have you ever signed an NDA during an
1: interview? Yes. Wow, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, the current position I have, there was definitely an NDA for the interview. Like, you're not allowed to share anything. No. is what it is. But everything goes well, and you get the job. I do think another episode we should talk about not being the interviewee, but being the interviewer when it comes to interviewing at a company. And what I mean is all those things that you just blew over with, like, company culture, all this stuff. I think that'd be a very interesting discussion to talk about like how we suss out if a company would be a good fit for us. Yeah. Because that's just as important. It's not just about getting any job. And, Granted, I'm speaking for someone who's been in the industry for a while. First job, sometimes it's any job (laughs) because getting your foot in the door is very important. But once you're there and like, you know, you have the ability to be picky, how to figure out that you're going to be at a place that's a good fit and that you enjoy working at because I think personally, that's very important.
1: It's still the most challenging part for me. Uh, they don't give you a lot of time to understand their company culture and no matter how many questions you ask, you still don't get a great feel for it. I have actually gone so far as to say, I would like another 30 minute sit down session with an engineer on the team that I'm going to be working with so that we can talk honestly one-on-one about work-life balance, Uh, What's the software life cycle? How do developers work together? All those things that's going to affect your daily happiness. Yeah,
0: that'd be a super, super interesting combo. We should definitely set that up. So we've got a few minutes left for our normal time frame. And I know we both probably have pretty strong opinions about the interview process and how it is currently in software. I'll let you go first. Do you like interviewing? How do you think it works out? I
1: think they're looking for the wrong signals, especially in front end web development, because we keep getting asked these questions about data structures and algorithms, and I've never used them in the front end ever. And then, so that happens at almost every interview that I've gone to. Only had one company say, hey do you see this page on our website? Why don't you open up VS code and try to recreate it? And, and that was the most freeing interview I've ever had, because I got to start a project from scratch, start implementing from scratch, move quickly, talk out loud, talk about the the pieces of design or, or the data flow in the UI, and it just focused on the right things. So my take on the entire engineering interview process is that they're focusing on the wrong things or front-end developers specifically. I haven't really ever had a good front-end interview to date. What about you? How's your experience been?
0: So my experiences interviewing are either extremely lax interviews that are basically just tell us about your job history. Tell us about a time when you did something. Okay, cool. It sounds like you've typed on a keyboard before. Congrats. You got the job. And I'm making a little light of it, but it's kind of along those lines or the other extreme of, you know, (laughs) tell me everything that happens from the time that you put in google.com in your URL (laughs) bar to you get the page rendered on your screen every single step in as much detail as you can tell me, you know data structure algorithm questions like you can google those there's a bajillion out there where you need to figure out some sort of algorithm to traverse a binary tree and most efficient way and what's the big o notation of that and everything like that so like you know these are two like polar opposites i personally don't have much experience interviewing anywhere in between it's really weird i've read about interviews and interview processes that sound amazing you know where like a company will say hey We're going to pay you to be an employee for a day or two. You're going to come work with one of our current employees. Then we're going to see how you fit in, how you do, if you can pick stuff up quickly, if you're good at communicating, problem solving. Like these are real world like examples of how you'd be as an employee. I think those would be great interviews to to do. I've never done one of those, but I understand why that doesn't happen very often. That's a very expensive process in time. Money, maybe not so much. But time, definitely. And I think that, like a lot of things, there is an answer that works okay when applied to, you know, a large group of applicants. And that is the current technical interview of data structures and algorithms. It does a okay job of sorting out people who know what they're doing, people who don't. And that's what it's optimized for it's not always optimized for best fit best candidate and it's kind of like a scaling problem where <laughs> there's no good solution i kind of view it as like the same problem as like standardized testing is it the best way to show what somebody knows no but i challenge anybody to present a better option that scales as easily so it's one of those things where I think that large companies need it and smaller companies emulate them because they're successful. And so you end up with this thing of like, well, you don't really need to do this because you can be kind of bespoke if you will in your interview process. One, you don't have the volume of candidates applying, and two, you can take the time to find the right fit because it's a lot bigger deal if you hire the wrong person. But you emulate success instead of forging your own path often. And so I think that's why we've ended up like, you know, where we're at now. There's
1: one other like kind of interview pathway that we haven't talked about. What do you think about like
0: take home materials or take home tests or assignments? I think that that is depending on what happens with them after the fact. I've also heard, you know, so like the coming on and like working as an employee for a day or two kind of thing. I think that's a great way to do it. But also, take home tests, I think, can be very good if the review is good, right? So like a lot of places, there aren't necessarily like sit down code reviews as a normal part of the day-to-day code process, right? Normally it's done through like pull requests and just getting feedback there. But I think if you went that extra step and had like a you know small group sit down with you after you've done your take on work and just walk through the code and explain why you made the choices, they can ask any questions for clarification. You get a feel for like what they value they get a feel for how you work. It takes the pressure off of you. You get to sit down with your favorite editor and your buddy Google. I kind of miss Jeeves. Do you remember Ask Jeeves? It'd be <laughs> a lot more fun to say your buddy Jeeves. but <laughs> That's a throwback. I don't know. It's, it's old. Ask Jeeves and Lycos, man. The glory days. I of never used searching.
1: Lycos, but yeah, I definitely remember oh, Ask Jeeves.
0: They had a retriever as a mascot. Did they? What's Google's mascot even? Man, we got a butler and like a golden retriever. Maybe it was a Labrador. I don't know. Some sort of retriever. We got Google. Duck, duck Goes at least got that funny little duck.
1: I mean, there was a oh, paperclip yeah. back then too.
0: Oh man, clippy. <laughs> anyway, I think that there's definitely other options available. And I think if you have the ability to shape or shift how your company does interviews, maybe consider not always just reaching for the standard data and algorithms off the shelf. Things like take-homes, I think, are good. Things like pair programming, working through a problem with somebody. I think that's great. I know you asked me about take-homes. What do you think about it? I think take-homes are nice in that
1: it's a set of code that both the interviewer and the interviewee are going to be familiar with when you're reviewing it. But I think take-homes come off a little bit disrespectful of the the developer's time because it is unpaid right you're saying do this extra homework assignment and a lot of the take-homes that i see are very ambitious very ambitious
0: yeah i guess that can be a double-edged sword depending on what it is right so definitely definitely a lot of caveats
1: there for sure. I would almost rather see a, uh, you know, come in for a day of interview, the first half we will give you a problem prompt, you sit in an office with your laptop, and you solve as much as you can. And in the afternoon, we'll start the interview process, you know, we'll review the code, we'll run you through your behavioral interviews, ask questions, etc. That to me is like a very fair balance. It's everybody spending the time together equally, you're given the resources you need to solve a problem in in an editor and world that's comfortable to
0: you. So I think that about covers it. And I'm just going to say it, Brad. I think that I'm going to give us both a pat on the back for not getting too into the weeds about the current state of interviews in tech. If any of you out there have any questions, want some guidance, need any tips, definitely join the Discord. We can talk about it there. If you don't want to join the Discord, you can find our Twitter handles in the show notes. You can reach out to us there. We'd be happy to talk. So thanks for tuning in to WebDev Weekly. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe in your podcast player and we'll see you next week.